Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. Roto-Grinders presents your first word in daily fantasy sports. The Morning Grind, Stevie, TPFL, and company are here to jumpstart your analysis on today's DFS slate. Without further ado, here's your host, Stephen Young. Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind podcast. I'm your host, Stevie, TPFL. It's June. It's the 20th of June. It's 2017. It's a Tuesday, which means we have 15 baseball games here on tonight's slate. Um, new co-host on this Tuesday, Bobby Fye. How you doing, buddy? What's up, man? I'm happy to be here. Uh, wish my night was going a little bit better, but ready to get down and break down tomorrow. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I, I kind of feel you. I kind of got like hooked on Peacock and Estrada and got all the bats that I wanted. So I have a bunch of Shaw, a bunch of... Bellinger, a bunch of Eric Ofer Thames, and um, you know you get all the bats, and just sometimes the pitcher blows up, and he had that one bad inning, and it just um, you know ruins your night. Yeah, it's just one of those weird nights, man. Like you were saying right before the show. It happens though. That you know that's the best thing about DFS. You know you get right back on it um, here today, so um, I'm excited to do that. I always like to look at the weather. Um, didn't really see much outside of, you know, some potential issues at Atlanta. And um, just to give if anybody that hasn't played DFS baseball before, you know, we're getting into these summer months. Um, Atlanta games are going to have pop-up storms like every day, and we're going to be dodging weather every day in Atlanta. Yep. So anyway, um Bobby, I, I just, you know, the other day I was I was looking at some old photos and I realized that me and you had met at a Fantasy Aces live final. And that was the first time we had met and I just realized it the other day. Grant told me that and then I realized it about two weeks ago or maybe a little longer. But yeah, Grant told me that and I totally had forgotten because it was so, it feels like forever ago. It, it, yeah, like two years. So yeah, that's for sure. If you guys haven't checked out our sponsor, make sure you check them out, playdraft.com. If you want the promo code, it's playdraft.com backslash grinders. That way you guys get 100% deposit bonus up to 600 bucks. The app is awesome. If you guys haven't been playing on it, you're missing out. You're also missing out on some best ball football, which is awesome as well. There's an edge. Um, I saw Adrian Peterson go in like the 18th pick today. There's an edge. That's all I'm going to say. Let's get into this baseball slate. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to get started with the Angels at the Yankees. Parker Breadwell against Michael Pineda, 9.5 total. Pineda, a massive favorite at 225. We look at this game and we see Pineda, massive favorite. What's your thoughts here on him? Yeah, I think that like looking at the slate tomorrow, he actually makes a lot of sense. It's more than you want to pay for him in general. But there's there's a lot of offenses I like, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple guys at the top, but there's not a whole lot of like – pitching exactly that I'm crazy about. And I actually think he's in a really good spot here. I still expect the Angels to continue to regress without Trout. Um, I know it'll go back and forth, and they sort of out, um, outplayed themselves a few times, but I don't see it happening, and I, I'm a big fan of Pineda tomorrow as of right now. Yeah, I hate playing this guy. Like, <laughs> it just drives me insane. Anytime that, 
you know, he's on the slate because, like, he's just – he's a guy that can go out and absolutely dominate, and he's that guy that leaves, like, a couple fastballs over the plate and gets – you know, gives up a couple home runs. So he's such a frustrating guy to roster. Yep. If I'm paying up a pitcher, we'll talk about Chris Sale. I think I like him a little bit more than I like Pineda. You do get a nice little discount, so I don't mind it. But um, I think Pineda's in play. I just think the strikeout upside's limited against the Angels here. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe it is a little bit. It's still hard to know. I mean, with the lineup they're they're rolling out there, but the thing is, how many points are you really going to get tomorrow out of other people? Anyone other than Chris Sale? I don't love anybody else at the top. So to me, he's. A pivot off sale, and then if you really want to go cheap, which they've been allowing us to do quite a bit on uh, on DraftKings, especially, um, you might be able to put them both in a lineup to, uh, tomorrow. So I'm just saying it's another way of going about it. I, I think he's in solid play, but again, you know, it's not like an overwhelmingly exciting play. Like you said, he's kind of boom bust, but his boom is not all that exciting. Yeah, um, you know, he's a guy that put up 30, or he can put up zero. Um, I am a little worried. He just faced the Angels in his last start, gave up 10 hits in six innings, five run runs, only had two strikeouts. I could potentially see that again and we, you know, get a ballpark downgrade going from, you know, Angel Stadium to Yankee Stadium. So I, I worry about that. On the flip side of this game, you know, we got a young kid, Parker Bradwell. Uh, we're definitely not playing this guy against the Yankees. No way. Not, I don't think you can even consider it. It doesn't matter what you think of this kid in his future. It's just, just psychotic to do it tomorrow, in my opinion. Yep. And we get the Yankees going back home. They're a team that has massive home road splits. We get to jump right back on this stack. They had Monday off. They had a travel day. Like, I feel like this is a spot we could just load up the Yankees' bats again. That's what I've got in my notes, man. I mean, it's really hard for me to even pick favorites because I think it's like you can stack this game uh, every which way for the Yankees. I like it. You know, pretty much seven of their hitters I'm willing to take. Yeah, I don't think I'm taking Chris Carter either. You know, he's been hitting a couple home runs, but I just don't think I can play him ever. Yeah. Um, and then on the Angels' side, like, you know, I know they hit up Pineda last time, but I, I still don't see myself playing anybody maybe outside of like a Cole Calhoun in this ballpark. The lefties are going to benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't really see any reason to go there. It's a full slate, and it's just – I mean, like Pineda still – whatever we say about him, he's still one of the better arms of the day, and there's so many bad ones. So I just don't really see any reason to go crazy with the Angels, although I think Calhoun's fine as a one-off if you want to do it. We're going to get plenty of pitchers to pick on. Don't worry, folks. Um, <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals at Philadelphia. Mike Leak against Jeremy Hellickson. Nine total in this game. you have any interest in either one of these guys? I think if you're really reaching, um, maybe it's not really reaching. I, I don't think that it would be the worst idea to play Leak in the world just because Philadelphia's bats just do go dead sometimes. And Leak is not – I don't think he's a great pitcher. I don't think he's a terrible pitcher. I think he's somewhere in between and – he tends to have good outings and weird spots when you don't necessarily expect him to. He was actually really consistent earlier in the year, and he sort of has fallen apart a little bit lately. I'm not overwhelmingly in love with it, but again, I'm not crazy about a ton of pitching tomorrow, so I'm willing to take a shot on him in uh, you know, maybe a few a few of my uh, longer, smaller buy-ins, longer shot GPPs. Yeah, those large field tournaments for sure. The thing that – Leak is all about what type of lineup you see roll out. Like, if you get a right-handed heavy lineup, Leak's a guy that can put up strikeouts. You know, his strikeout rate's 23.8% against righties this season. But if you see a lineup with, you know, four, five, six lefties, you know, his strikeout rate drops down to about 12%. The Woba comes up. The hard contact comes up. Like, he's just not a guy you want to play when you're facing a bunch of left-handed hitters. So it's all going to depend on the lineup. He does have a nice ground ball rate, so this big ballpark probably not going to affect him too much. But he still tends to give up home runs, which is kind of weird. But, um, 
you know, I think that if you really want to reach, I, I actually think leaks are a big reach, but yeah, I think there's better tournament plays on the slate. So we'll talk about them for sure. Um, any Cardinals bats that you like here against Hellickson? I feel like I looked at it and I really should. Um, but it's just not, again, there's just so many lineups that are, I just way prefer tomorrow or today, I should say, coming up. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I can't really bring myself to go ahead and, and, and go for it. It's just, it's, there's just nobody who I'm overwhelmingly excited by. And there's, there's a lot of, a lot of teams and a lot of players I want tomorrow. So that's sort of where I'm at. How about you? Well, when I'm looking at it, like, I, I think they're a potential team that could be a top five team on a, you know, with all 30 teams in play. You know, they're getting a ballpark bump. They're on the road. Um, if they get to that Philly bullpen early, they're a potential spot where they can continue to keep hitting. We look at Jeremy Hellickson. He's not a guy that overpowers anybody. He throws his fastball a ton, you know, around 40% this season. And you just you look at the batted ball profile. I did a, a deep dig here. Um, you know, that's why I was 10 minutes late. I, I really had to look into the spot because, like, you know, I think the Cardinals are – a really sneaky stack on the slate and with the position eligibility of some of these guys you can really make some stacks where you could still stack some of these big power offenses so i like the cardinals here a little bit more than you do um but like you said you know we got like even the next game you're gonna have cleveland against chris tillman who's been awful this season so there's plenty of spots i think the cardinals go under the radar here and have some upside I do agree with your points. Like, there's nothing you said I disagree with. And I, like I said, when, if I just looked at it and I saw, I saw the matchup and I wasn't looking at all the other games, I would go, oh, this is a great game to stack. But yeah. uh, I just there's just a lot out there. That's the only reason. Yeah, it's just, man, um, you know, if you're usually a guy that throws, like, four or five teams in, like, the 25 or $30 tournament, whatever it is now, today's probably that day that you want to roll out, like, 20 teams in the $4, 20 entry max or something because there's just so many spots to attack today. So um, looking at the Phillies against Leak, uh, we kind of talked about him. Is there anybody here that you like? Um, if you really wanted to play the lefties, I don't really have a problem with it, but they're not all that exciting to play. I mean, between Herrera and uh, what is what's his price now on? Oh, that's what I was going to bring up. He's thirty one hundred on DraftKings. That's that's super oh, no, solid. But Michael, oh, Michael Saunders is twenty five hundred too. I mean, these are just I, I, this is these guys have been terrible, but like, there's no reason they couldn't break out and have a big game tomorrow. So. If you want to go there, it's okay because the price. I mean, you're getting such a crazy discount on these guys, but it's again, it's they've been pretty awful. So there's a reason the discount's there. Yeah, um, I think I'd probably leave more Herrera and like they fit too when you're like looking at you know potentially playing Chris Sale. So you know you get a nice little value on some of these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you want to play Sale, I mean, this is one of those things you'd have to do if you wanted to play guys like if you want to play Sale and Pineda for some reason in the same lineup. You could actually, you know maybe stack these guys or use them as part of it because those, those prices are just, they're tempting. <laughs> tempting to say the least for sure. Cleveland at Baltimore, Josh Tomlin against Chris Tillman, 10 and a half total, massive total here. Um, the highest total outside of course field on this slate. Till Tomlin, a little bit of a favorite. I'm guessing you're not going to have interest in either one of these pitchers. No, I'm not crazy. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's take shots elsewhere. Let's not take shots here. Uh, we look at Chris Tillman this season: three ninety-two WOBA against righties, thirty-seven point seven percent hard contact, and it's worse against lefties of uh, four fifty-one WOBA, twenty-seven percent hard contact. 
giving up home runs to both sides. It's just guy just not been able to get guys out this season. So you can lock and load this Cleveland stack for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, not to mention you're dealing with like the hottest offense in baseball who all of their excellent hitters finally woke up and then all their good hitters are excellent right now. Like Ramirez, like it's just this lineup is so monstrous. It's just a matter of how you want to stack it. Like it's a great stack on the Cleveland side. It's a great stack on both sides, honestly. But I just, uh, man, I, I love the Cleveland side of the ball tomorrow. I I would be afraid it'd be chalky, but the thing is with, with Coors and with a full slate, I don't think it's – you're still not going to be dealing with crazy ownership. I think you're dealing with what probably in the 10 percentage range on most of these guys. And I mean, you're still going to get 5% on Santana because he's first base. I mean, it's just, you could stack these guys and feel good about it at a reasonably low percentage. And that's kind of amazing considering the situation. Yeah. And you, man, Chris or Francisco Landor, like over 50 on Monday night. Like you want to talk about a guy that I just absolutely loved that just sucked. It was Francisco Landor, man. Yep. He'd be right all the time, but yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think the Cleveland stack is firmly in play. They get a ballpark bump too, going from Cleveland to Baltimore. Um, definitely plays favor to guys like E5 here. Looking at the Baltimore side, we look at Tomlin, um, just a guy throughout his career that's just always given up a lot of hard contact to righties. And we look at this lineup, and there's a lot of power righties here in this lineup. Yeah, and the thing is, they have actually they're they're an odd team, and that, that part of the reason a lot of these righties don't hit lefties for some reason they're they have like like Adam Jones is a very good low ball hitter, so the fact that he's you know ten for eighteen off of uh, Tom Lennon's career with, with five extra base hits, um, that's not surprising. It's the, it's the kind of pitcher he actually profiles really well against. So I really like Jones and Machado uh, just because Machado. I don't I don't care, man. I I, I made a promise. I'm going to keep playing him as long as he's under four K. Um, he's just too good a player for this to keep up and. His upside is so massive, so as long as he's going to be in this five percentage range, while well, he's still one of the most talented third basemen in baseball, those two guys like jumped out at me. But Mancini, with what he, with what he's done to righties this year, the whole team—I mean, I could—I really like this as a full game stack, and I think that I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was uh, took down a big GPP tomorrow because this is a great spot for both these teams. Yeah, and you were talking about Trumbo or um, Machado. Like Trumbo is still only 4K. Like you could play both of these guys, mix in some Cleveland guys, and still get a guy like Sale. Uh, that's what's awesome about this slate. Yeah, it's actually it's it's crazy that you still can do it. I wish it was a little bit harder to be honest with you. Um, but again, it's not going to matter all that much because there's so many spots out there that I don't think you're going to see outside of Coors, and even Coors, I don't think is going to be crazy chalk. I don't think you're going to see a ton of like crazy chalk tomorrow. It's going to be spread out a lot of 10 to 15 percent ownerships because there's so many good spots like this. Yeah, we could potentially see a team like the Rockies go a little on their own because they're facing Granky. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, moving on, Cincinnati at Tampa, Amir Garrett against Alex Cobb. Um, you know, when you're looking at this slate, you know, you're going to have to take some shots on some cheaper pitchers. Uh, what's your thoughts here on these guys? Uh, I, I generally am a guy who actually kind of likes Cobb, but I'm just not going to mess with the Cincinnati lineup. Um, I just think that they're, they're, they're a really good lineup. They don't strike out enough, and I'm not really going to go there uh, too often against them, although I like the price. I'm all about stacking Tampa Bay tomorrow. I think that they're, they're now an even, even better team against lefties, uh, not necessarily with what they've done this year, but historically – They've got a lot of lefty killers in that lineup, and we've seen this team just explode at times, and I have a feeling tomorrow could be one of those times when you get to start off with Garrett and then get to the early part of that Cincinnati bullpen if they can get to him early. Um, I really like Tampa Bay tomorrow. Um, I think they make for a great like stack that's off the board. You don't need to go that far off the board, but they're off the board, and I could see them scoring 10-plus runs tomorrow. 
Yeah, um, I definitely don't hate that. And then on the flip side of like what you're saying here, like I actually have a little interest in Garrett. Um, you know, we're looking at bottom bin pitchers. We're looking mm -hmm. at a guy like Garrett who's 5,400 against a team. Like you said, historically a lot better against lefties in this season. It's still a small sample size. We're not even halfway through the season yet. So, you know, looking at just the season stats are, you know, kind of discrediting yourself. But I do want to say, like, they're striking out 27% of the time. And we know Garrett, big strikeout rate against lefties, you know, medium to average um, strikeout against righties. So, like, it all depends. Like, if they roll out, like, Lomo and Dickerson and these guys, like, there's some upside here for Garrett at 5,400. Yeah. Will, will no I stack against him? Yes. No yes. There's no way they're not playing Ploof against the lefty, so I don't see Morrison getting in the lineup. I mean, oh, just, I forgot they got Ploof. They got yeah. Ploof now, which makes them – I mean, Ploof is another one of those old-school lefty killers that they have in their lineup, and it's I, – I, I totally agree with the idea of playing Garrett on the flip side. They are a boom-bust offense, and they strike out a lot against lefties. So just because they strike out a lot doesn't mean they are – a lot of the times they're not going to be hitting it out too. So it's I feel like I could see both sides of the argument. I'm just definitely more on the Tampa Bay side at the moment. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, look at a Tampa stack here. I definitely think that's in play. And like you said, the Reds, you know, Cobb, ever since coming back from injury, has been, you know, he's been pitching better lately. You know, you look at how he started the season, but only a 12% um, soft contact against lefties. That's going to burn you eventually. And, you know, that's why we're seeing the XFIP higher than the ERA against lefties. Like, there's going to be some regression, and even against righties, 13.8%. So, like, he's just not getting a lot of soft contact, and that's going to eventually turn into spots where he just starts getting blown up. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm totally with everything you said. And there's some good lefties in this lineup, and, you know, you could play you could play Scooter Gannett tomorrow. I think that's a logic. Uh, yeah. You could. No, Scooter Gannett is a is, – look at his whole career. I don't understand why this guy hasn't just gotten regular playing time. He's actually he's actually a, like a, a always been an under like a good hitter like yeah. what, what do they want from him why is he not playing every day he's a two ninety hitter really like for his career and he's better now than he was then he's gonna play every day until Kozar gets back so we're gonna get to take advantage of him he's gonna be batting in the two hole like yeah um, DraftKings already you know did a really good job of bumping his price up really quick Fanduel he's only twenty four hundred um, that was one guy that I wanted to talk about as well. So I, I like that FanDuel price. You know, you're getting a guy in the two hole on the road, potentially getting five at bats for twenty four hundred bucks. Yep, I love it. Um, and then the Rays out. Do you like them any one offs here? Or are you just gonna kind of play them as a stack? Um, I think you can play. I think there's guys you can play as a GPP player every day and just feel fine with if you ever need one offs. And I think Corey Dickerson's always one of those guys. Um. And against lefties, he's obviously gotten better and better. So he's going to be way off the board anyway. But everybody is, I guess, in this lineup. But I, I don't mind if you want to play Souza, depending on exactly how the lineup comes out. If they somehow slide Ploof up early in the lineup, I wouldn't mind taking him at, you know, even a shot on him. But uh, Longoria, I think they're all fine as one-offs. Like, they're just – I really like everybody and how they profile in this game. And I, I really like them as a stack. But any of those three, any of those guys are good as one-offs in my mind. And Longoria, throughout his career, by the way, is extremely good against lefties at home. He's always been really good at Tropicana Field against lefties. Um, his numbers are like 30 points higher at home than they are on the road. So a little added note there. But we move on to Miami, where Washington's visiting Gio Gonzalez against Edison Volquez, nine total in this game. Kind of a pick'em. Gio, a very slight favorite here. That's no respect for Gio Gonzalez. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, this game is just like kind of I don't know. I just I almost like want to just like pass on it, kind of. I don't know why. I should you should want like a Washington stack maybe, but like I don't know. I just feel like this game for me. I don't like any part of it. <laughs> I think you can get one offs here, but you're not getting any cheap one offs, so that's the problem. Like Goodwin. Yeah. Um, Goodwin, Murphy, Harper, the lefties. You don't want to talk Volquez with righties. His numbers, his ground ball rate, all that stuff, really solid against righties. But I think you can play the lefties if you want some one-offs here. And then on the Miami side, like, Ozuna, Stanton against the lefty, always in play for me. So, like, those guys is one-offs. So, like, I could potentially see getting some one-offs from this game. But with you, I'm just like, you know, this game just doesn't stand out to me. It's in the ballpark that's huge. Um, you know, it's summertime in Florida. The roof's not going to be open. It's going to be way too hot. So I just, you know, potentially playing some one-offs here is all I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think Bryce Harper still makes for one of the best plays. I, another guy who's – it's hilarious to me that the best, like, players in our game, like Harper, Trout, and then in basketball, uh, Russell Westbrook, I, I know people think they can't pay up, but, like, you're just paying for the best player, and the price differences really aren't that much of a difference if you can find a little bit of value. And Bryce Harper just makes for a great play every night. Um, Fifty-five hundred is reasonable uh, if you want. If you have enough money and you can afford one spot, he's going to be low owned, and you're getting the best hitter in the game tomorrow in a good matchup. So, <laughs> I guess he makes for a really good one-off in my mind. It just—it never makes sense to me, like the ownership of some of these guys. Like tonight, for instance, on Monday night, like. Harper against a bad lefty was under, you know, 8% in most tournaments. You know, I know he was pricey and everything, but who cares? Like, like you said, you're playing up for the best player for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the best players. It's the best players with upside. And the one thing that I noticed with Harper is, like, when you have a good pitcher or a game that seems like it's going to stay close, you don't really want him because you sort of need multiple power if you're, you know, multiple at-bats if you're going to be paying up that much money. Um, but, oops, my phone, my... Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, sorry, man. My uh, my microphone got came unplugged while I was doing that. Oh, um, who cares? <laughs> I, can, I heard you the whole time. You're good. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, sorry about that. But uh, yeah, so no, I just think that like I sort of lost my train of thought with this one. But uh, I'm like, the more you think about it with Bryce Harper and guys like that, as long as they're this low owned, and even Machado at a low price, like. It's like you can build your stack and then try and put these guys in as individual one-offs or maybe like you have two guys you like in the game or you could squeeze in somebody else from that as, as like part of a mini stack, you know, like we were talking about Adam Jones and Machado or something like that. And then you do your full stack somewhere else, but these are great values even at a high price just because of the ownership percentage and what it'll be on a day with cores and a full slate. No, I completely agree. Um, I don't think I could have said it any better, so... We're going to move on. Um, we get a game here. San Francisco at Atlanta. Matt Moore against Julio Tehran. Nine total. Uh, Tehran, slight favor here at one nine, minus 116. Um, I have no interest in pitchers in this game. I'm not going to play pitchers in SunTrust throughout the summer. Like, We're just going to see hot temps, and the ball has just been flying in this ballpark. Yeah, I'm with you except for the Giants offense. Watching them tonight. Watching them. awful. It's it's so – they're so bad. And Tehran's good, got good enough stuff where he could have one one of those like outlier games, and he throws you know he gets thirty points for you. Uh, I'll take him in long shot tournaments tomorrow for sure, just because I'm so shocked at how bad this Giants offense looks, um, especially tonight. But anyway, I, I think Tehran a little bit, but for the most part, I'm mostly not that interested in touching all of that much of it either. Though, like 
just again, I, there's a lot of decent spots, but I don't really want to take advantage of the hitters in this game just because there's other ones I like just so much better. Oh man, I I look at this spot and I'm like, Matt Moore has just been awful on the road. Like his number is okay in that big ballpark in San Francisco, but he gets on the road and he's just getting exposed. And um, you know, you look at it and. I think you could play Matt Kemp as a one-off. I really hope Tyler Flowers catches tomorrow. He'd be really interesting mm-hmm. because you could get a potential Kemp, Adams, Flowers, Swanson stack, four, five, six, seven, and nobody's going to play Adams because it's a lefty-lefty matchup. We're not going to see Matt Moore pitch deep into this game, and uh, we're going to see probably two or three at-bats or Adams against a righty. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I uh, I see I, I can see it. Uh I don't know why I can't bring myself to come around to do it yet with Atlanta, but I, I totally see it. I think that makes for a really good stack the way you said it. Like uh, Matt Moore is that bad and I don't trust this Giants team in any way right now. So I guess it makes more sense. I might have to actually think more about this one because you did make some good points. Yeah. It's just more of like, you know, on FanDuel, you're going to be playing, um, you know, four, four stacks for the most part. Sometimes people go three, three, two, um, however you want to do it. But, you know, you're you're looking at stacks where you could take advantage. And, like, even on DraftKings, if you were stacking maybe five from a team and then you went, like, Kemp, Flowers, Swanson, you're filling an outfield spot, a catcher spot, and a shortstop. Like, that's going to fit really well with some stacks. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, that's why I was thinking it, too. Like, it does make a lot of sense. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, yeah, at those... I'm kind of curious now. Now I'm curious what their pricing is. Let's see. Like it's Flowers not- is thirty seven hundred, Swanson's thirty five, and Matt Kemp is forty three. So like you could make that potentially work. Um, and like there's not a shortstop and a catcher you want from Baltimore. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> right, well, that's true. That's a good point, man. I like, I like, I like that a lot. Uh, I agree with you on the Giants. I don't think I'll play Tehran here. Um, he's just been awful in this ballpark, and people are like playing him at home just because of his historic like home numbers. And it's just, it's not the same ballpark folks. Um, you know, I agree. The giants offense has been just terrible, but, uh, what has Julio done for you lately? Giants, this is your spot to get it going. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I'm definitely going to have exposure to Brandon Crawford. I always play this guy. I play this guy more than everybody in the industry and, um, just gonna keep playing him. Yeah, I, I'm with you, actually. Um, Craw- Crawford's a guy I actually probably play like that, um, just like you. I feel like he's just a much, much better real-life hitter. If he wasn't playing in San Francisco for his career, you'd see a very, very different uh, stat line number numbers for him. And also, look at the hitters he's had around him. For the most part, hasn't been anything special, even during some of their better years. So I love Crawford in general for DFS, and I love him in general as a hitter. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy I could see getting behind tomorrow. Um, and I honestly – I still just say this every day about Buster Posey. His, he's another one of those guys whose price is reasonable. I know his, you know, he hasn't had the massive power this year, but he's still hitting 350 and, again, plays in San Francisco. So you put him in that stadium. Um, I know I, I, traditionally with Tehran's excellent against righties, but it's uh, you're still talking about, in my opinion, the best hitter at the position in baseball. And, you know, you got to just think about you're getting this guy at 5%. Maybe he's worth taking a stab on. 4,100 for the best player at your position, regardless of what it is, is actually uh, not all that crazy. So. I think Posey makes a decent sense also for as a one-off who no one will play. I don't know if you ever hear my takes on catchers, but I, I'd never pay up for catcher. <laughs> like, it's just something like I never do. Um, Which is why you can get away with getting a guy who's hitting 350 this year. I know that doesn't mean – Oh, yeah. 
But I'm just saying, and you put him in that stadium, imagine what he'd be hitting right now and how he's probably had four or five more home runs at least. And, you know, he'd be the leading MVP candidate. That's the truth. Well, yeah, um, it's just like, we, you know, we talk about it all the time on the podcast about Morales, how many home runs he would have hit last year if he didn't play in Kansas City. So, okay. like, yeah. like it's it goes round and round, and I definitely agree with you. I just – I really just hate paying for catcher. So, yeah. But I love I loved the call. Um, I think that nobody will play him even more because Tehran is so good at home and he's so good against righties. And he is good against righties. Let's not discredit him too much. But he's still a fly ball pitcher against a team that's getting a massive ballpark bump. So, yeah, it's just something to note. We move on. Pittsburgh at Milwaukee, nine and a half total. Chad Cool against Zach Davies. Zach Davies, a slight favorite at 123. Uh, any interest in either one of these guys? Not at all. Yeah. You know, we just keep going, and uh, we're just not seeing much here. Um, you know, we'll start with the Pirates side here. Zach Davies, a guy that 377 Woba against lefties this season. A little bit better against righties at 352, but not a big strikeout pitcher. More of a ground ball pitcher against righties, lefties, getting the ball up in the air a little bit more, giving up a little bit more home runs. Um, what's your thoughts on the Pirates' bets? It's odd. I'm not all that interested in their bats, even though I see all that. Like, I don't mind, you know, I think that, like, certain guys are starting – McCutcheon's starting to heat up a little bit. Um, Davies is still – he gives up a more power traditionally to righties, as far as I remember. At least it's pretty close to what it is for lefties. Another guy you're getting at no ownership. I don't have any problem with playing a couple of these guys as one-offs. I'm just not interested, like, in stacking them. I don't think that he's going to get so crazy blown up. I just don't like him. But I, uh, I think that you want to take a shot at a guy like McCutcheon or even – Take one of the lefties in Bell or, or Polanco are still cheap. Um, nobody will play them. Uh, might not be worth. Might be worth a shot. They might. They have doubled on potential. And Polanco at some point is going to have to become the player that I thought he was going to be because I've definitely played this guy way too much. So maybe I shouldn't speak on him. Oh, was, I'm the worst person too. I'm pot committed at this point. Like I've played Polanco <laughs> so much at this point that I'm playing him until he has his two home run game to get my money back. Like. Actually, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, and I and by playing him, like I always get like 20, 30, 40 percent usually on this guy, and it's just like I, I'm going to get my money back at some point when he has that two home run game at five percent owned. That's right. That's what I'm waiting for as well. <laughs> um, we look at the flip side of this game. Uh, Thames Shaw, great batted ball profile here against Chad Cool. Excellent spot. I do worry about Thames a little bit. I watched that game tonight um, after getting a massive heater there, hitting four home runs in four straight games. Uh, the last two days, he's got a, a hole in his bat again. Uh, we just kind of look at it, and, you know, even the fastballs tonight, he was just he was just off on. You know, he's Eric Thames. He has massive home run upside. But I do want to point out that I think he's a little bit riskier here than normal. And then the nerd, Eric Sogard, Late in that game, I think it was the eighth inning, uh, took a 97-mile-an-hour fastball off the ankle. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he is a little sore tomorrow. So we'll have to kind of, you know, temper our expectations here with Milwaukee. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely interesting. Um, I think that I agree with, all, like, everything you said. I just think that Kula is so bad against lefties. So bad. It's so hard for me not to have, like, some interest at least in in those guys um Shaw and Thames Thames especially uh especially because people I think might be off him I think you're right but you're talking about a very low strikeout pitcher especially two lefties so that hole in his swing uh will be a little smaller tomorrow so I don't mind him at all we we hope (laughs) 
Because I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm definitely going back to the well. Yeah, you have to. And, like, I, know. I think you know, I, I always talk about Thames and Shaw when we get guys that throw hard. And, you know, Chad Cool, another guy that averages, you know, 94 miles an hour. So, another guy that's throwing the ball hard and just, you know, profiles terrible against these two power lefties. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I'm into that. That's why that's where my interest is in this game, just the lefties on Milwaukee. But like we're going to get into, there's just so many good spots today, and there's a few more we haven't mentioned. We just keep trucking, and we keep trucking to Texas, uh, Toronto at Texas. Francisco Liriano against Nick Martinez, 11 total. Um, I was wrong. I thought 10.5 was the highest. But we have a Texas game that is actually sitting the same total as Coors. Um, guessing you don't want the pitchers here? <laughs> um, hold on. Okay, so there's nobody to get all that excited about tomorrow. You have one of the ultimate streak pitchers in all of baseball pitching, and he's 6,700 against a team that's been striking out a lot against lefties. It's worth it to at least consider him as an SP2 for 6,700. Um, the upside is just there. He can get you 25 fantasy points, and he's cheap enough where that's enough. And I know it's not a good situation. I know the over-under is crazy. Nobody will play him. But this, you know, they're, if they're not making contact, uh, they're not gonna, the ball's not going to be leaving the yard. Some probably will, and some pro- will probably get out of there. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against playing him, and I'm actually considering like maybe taking a lot of him tomorrow, uh, Liriano, just because I think there is upside. And I'm looking for value if, as a pitcher, I would rather take a shot on him for 1,300 more than Garrett. Yeah. Um, uh, God, I, I like lefties against the Rangers too. I talk about it all the time, and yeah. I, it's just the pain on my face right now. Like <laughs> I loved Loriano in his last start. We had a we had a slate that wasn't great with pitching, kind of like this one. And, you know, he had a matchup with Tampa, who we, we've already talked about strikes out a bunch against lefties, and he went out and, you know, nine strikeout game. The frustrating thing about watching this guy or playing this guy is you cannot watch him pitch um, yeah. because those innings where he just can't find the strike zone are the most tilting thing in the world. So just don't watch him. You hope you end up with, like, 20, but don't watch him. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. You definitely can't watch him. I don't like watching my pitchers too much in general unless they're Kershaw. But I, uh, I can nervous, but I, uh, I definitely can't bring myself to watch Liriano. But he's one of these guys I've seen. And he, what's crazy is, let's take a team like Tampa Bay, who he just faced. They lit him up this year, and then he had a big game, I think, against them, and then he had another big one. But like they, they like, I think they scored like nine in an inning or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was something earlier this year. And uh, he just has this extreme variance in every game, and you have to sort of embrace pitching variance to me on a day like this. And it's a spot where I would not be at all surprised if he put up 25 fantasy points again. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if he had negative 10, but like I'm a tournament player. I'm going to take a shot at him. Obviously you can't play him in cash. There's a guy that I like too. That's cheap that we'll get to later. Um, but I, I do think Lariano is definitely in play. We're both tournament players. We're going to take the risk. We know the risk, but we know the upside as well. Um, Nick Martinez, there's no strikeout upside here. This guy, you know, 12% strikeout rate against lefties this season. We see it. Against righties at 13.3%. Um, the one thing that I do want to point out about Nick Martinez this year, he's given up a bunch of home runs to righties so far, but his heart or his soft contact rate is actually hard or higher than his hard contact rate. His ratio is about 1.8%, negative 1.8%. So we're, we're seeing really solid numbers here as far as soft to hard contact ratio against righties. 
the problem is everything suggests regression. So um, you know, that's the reason that you kind of want to attack him because there's just there's massive regression coming to these numbers. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I have no problem like sacking Toronto up uh, against him. But I also I'm not like overwhelmingly excited about it, so I probably won't do as much of it as I would on a normal slate. Um, like maybe like a seven or a ten game, I don't know, something something less than a full slate on this particular one. But I don't really like I like a lot I like all the plays. I just don't feel like this is the stack I'm choosing to marry myself to tomorrow. Yeah, I, I love the Toronto stack in general, just because I love playing Morales and Smoke. The, that's my favorite thing to do is load up arcade mode and play both of these guys together. Yeah. <laughs> I just love doing it. And, you know, we get a 90-degree day in Texas. The ball's going to be flying here. So the problem is, like, Joey Bats is so streaky. You know, you're going to have to get him on a good day. I know he had a home run on Monday night, so maybe we're starting to see that potential streak coming. So maybe you play a Donaldson Baptista, and then you have to kind of pick Morales or Smoke. And you know, that's a tough decision, um, you know, when you're looking at it. I think Smoke has 20 home runs now this season. Yeah, um yeah, I have, I have like, um, I I love them. Like I said, I just I just am, I, I'm for some reason I I'm not choosing to go there just because. Well, I mean, you can't. I can't play it on regular, like to play on you know just the regular classic style, just to play both of them, and it does drive me crazy because like I feel like I must be nuts. It, I always feel like I get it wrong too, and it's bizarre. Like I'll, one of them will hit two home runs or have a home run and a double and you know six RBIs, and I'll always have the other guy. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> And they both profile like it makes sense. Like tonight, like was a great example of that. They actually ended up both with decent nights, but you know, obviously, Smoke had a much bigger one. But anyway, it's just uh, I love I love it. I just don't really know if I'm going to go there fully tomorrow. And Martinez has been even when he's bad, he's just limited like enough to where he's been bad to to stack against. Even though you know he's only had like one outing where I really would have wanted to stack against him because he d- tends to like get five innings, give up four runs, and it's not pretty. But there's not a ton of He's given up some home runs, but like you said, it's pretty. I don't know. I just I feel like there's other places I'd rather go tomorrow or today. <laughs> Toronto's going to be popular too. Like you know, we eleven total outside of cores. Or they don't have those cores pricing like the cores guys do. So yeah. yeah. Um, the Texas side, like if you're not playing Liriano on a team, if you end up playing him, you know, on quite a bit of teams, you definitely want to have a Texas head stack. Um, you know, they do have Gomez back, so that helps him. Beltre, good against lefties throughout his career. But outside of that, like, I guess Napoli's back too, another guy that's really good against lefties. This lineup actually might be better now with Gomez and Napoli back against lefties. It is, and if, if I was stacking them, I would probably stack them kind of funky because I do like the bottom of that lineup with Napoli down there. It's just – it's um, there's just a lot of uh, – yeah, there's a lot down there. I think it's a, it's a good spot for definitely to have a hedge stack if you're taking Mariano, which I'll be doing. Yeah, um, I definitely. The more I think about it, the more I hate the fact that I know he's going to get blown up. Um, <laughs> uh, Gomez actually has really good BVP against Loriano too. So uh, was he ten for twenty one? Ten for twenty one, two home runs, four seventy six average. Um, really solid numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. He's a good one. If not for the next game coming up, which I like, I said I, I really think even if you're playing however many lineups, I do tend to I want to marry myself to no more even on a big day to like in five stacks maybe I'll dabble with another one and it's just the next there's one coming up next that's another reason I just haven't gone there. All right, well I hope it's not this game. San Diego at Chicago, no line in this game. The weather 
the wind is always the issue and it's blown across the field so it doesn't obviously matter here it's just seen against mike montgomery um any interest in either one of these pitchers I think it's hilarious how bad Chassin is like on the road compared to at home. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I don't really want to go there, but some of the pricing is like kind of interesting. Um, they're just, it depends on how the lineup rolls out But with the Cubs, obviously you don't know how many at bats you're going to get, but you know, if Baez is somewhere, I don't know if he's somehow like still batting sixth and they're going to play in the tomorrow, which I doubt they will. Um, yeah, with 3100 I'll take a shot, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the pricing is there to make it, like, an easy stack to take, and I see it, but I'm not really that interested in the I'm – I'm interested in the, the hitters, but I'm not really interested in the Cubs side so much. Oh, I, you just have to see what lineup, because, like, you look at Chasin's numbers on the road – um, you know, it's been left-handed heavy teams that he struggled against, and that we know that. Like, he struggles against lefties. You know, he struggled at Washington, at New York, at Chicago White Sox, at San Francisco, at Arizona, like, at Atlanta and at L.A. Dodgers. Like, think about all the lefties in those lineups, and it's just like, all right, well, that makes a ton of sense, you know? <laughs> so, like, yep. the, the struggle on the road is real. You look at the numbers, and, yeah, he struggled on the road. But it's more, in my opinion, I think he just – he struggles against lefties. So, like, if we get a really heavy left-handed lineup here for the Cubs, they're in play. If we get a lineup where it's, like, Rizzo, Hap, Bryant, Russell, Contreras, you know, we get all these righties in here, and it's just like, you know, those, those righties are just going to kill the stack. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I'm not into it on the Cubs side, uh, for sure, for the stack for that reason. But I, and it will be interesting to see what the win's going to be like, though, tomorrow. I want to wait to see before I make my final decision on that, on them. Yeah, I agree. I, everything's showing me that it's just blown across the field, so who cares? But, um, you know, one, one interesting Cubs bat would be Montero if he cracks the lineup. Or Jason Hayward, you know, these lefties. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Montgomery, a guy that – you know, this guy touted, like, big-time touted arm, like, prospect arm. You know, he was a guy that was, you know, drafted really high, and, you know, he was with the Royals when they got drafted, and he was traded to the Mariners, and, like, a, a big prospect arm, and it just – it really just hasn't, like, translated yet. You know, his ERA is solid, but his Sierra is two runs higher than his ERA. Um, he has a two sixty Babbitt, you know – He's a massive ground ball pitcher. That is the one thing that he's got going for him right now. Mm-hmm. And he's got—I mean, he's got—he's got his. He can. He, he's been like a decent pitcher. He's got—he's got a decent. His K rate isn't like awful, but it's—I don't know, man. It's—I—I I do like some of the San Diego righties against him here tomorrow and or today. <laughs> I should get keep messing messing up. Yeah, people know. Like we record the night before. Everybody knows. All right. I don't. I don't know. Um, but I just feel like that. Like. I, I really like Renfro. Just you mentioned it, or I think, or on on yesterday or today is whatever you say. Um, uh, what you're talking about Renfro versus lefties, and I think there's like he's, he makes a lot of sense tomorrow. And I think that you could play him, you could play Myers, and I think that you could play Perella. Um, play the hot streak, man. Uh, I just Perella, I, I all three of those guys are in play. I'm gonna play Renfro against every lefty he faces this season. Okay. There whether it be Kershaw, whether it be Sale, oh, I don't care. Oh, oh, oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I don't care. I'm going to play him against every lefty he faces this season. He already hit one off Kershaw, so you're going to have that edge. So, but yeah. <laughs> As he, yeah, he hit one earlier this year, I think. Off his, his numbers against lefties are just – they're ridiculous. Um, you know, will they will they regress? I'm sure they can't stay this good. Those They're, they're Nelson Cruz good. 
Yeah, it's absurd. Um, but I, again, you know what I mean? If, especially if the, wind's if the wind somehow changes and is blown out even more, I just I feel like these bats obviously will get overlooked. And I almost like feel like it would be a better play on a shorter slate because they'd still be overlooked. But I, I really like them as like a little mini you know, stack. I like all three of those guys quite a bit. Yeah, and you get a little nice little turbo slate where it's a four-game slate, so it's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, Chicago at Minnesota, Derek Holland against Irvin Santana, nine and a half total. Santana, a one fifty-six favorite. Derek Holland is garbage. Um, Irvin Santana is never ever in play for me when he is over ten k. Ever ever in play for me when he's over ten k. I'll go a step further. If, uh, the more I know about baseball, the less anything Irwin Santana does makes any sense. Um, <laughs> it's it's just. Okay, so he's a guy who I'll take if he's in an 8K. I don't think I've ever played him above, like, 8,500. I just can't bring myself to. It was nice when he was, like, 7,400, and he was just going out and putting up 15, 20 points a game. Yeah, no, he's – I mean, and he's had a crazy year, and obviously the matchup is good. I, if anybody plays him tomorrow, in my opinion, they know something I don't because I watched this guy pitch, and there's no way this can keep up. His He just doesn't – I don't know, man. I, I can't see any way to play to play him in this game at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll sum it up. Like, you know, he has a 256 ERA this season. He has a 490 Sierra. He has a 171 Babbitt. You can't have a 171 Babbitt throughout the season. Um, you're going to regress. And, you know, he's a fly ball pitcher at 41%. That's well above average. Like, the numbers are going to regress. He's going to regress. He's not this good. Like, he's just not this good. No, not even close. It's just... Like I, I just you, God, I love it because people keep playing this guy. I absolutely love it. Like I'm yeah. just gonna let people play him. Like the White Sox, they'll play him against the White Sox. Oh, the White Sox suck against righties. Well, the White Sox are not bad anymore, guys. Um, get on board. Yep, it's true. I totally agree. If it was like, a different day, I would actually think about taking some White Sox. I just don't see any reason to on this slate. But it's uh, it wouldn't be the worst spot in the world to take a few guys. No, and I agree. It's just, you know, you look at it and it's just like, I just don't see a lot from this game in general. Um, I Robbie Grossman is always in play against the lefty. Yeah. So, no. God, Derek Holland's so bad. I want to pick on him, but. I, I have this listed as one of my married stacks. One of my favorite stacks is uh, Minnesota. I Well, I always light up a Minnesota when, I, when they're against any bad pitcher or any low strikeout pitcher. When you take into you know look at look at the look at uh what is uh his bad up now I don't have the number called up right now but Sano's bad up right now is crazy the problem is he's had trouble with you know he strikes out a ton you have a low strikeout lefty against him it's just a dream spot this year he's been crushing righties more than lefties but in general he's always been a little bit better although he's great against both um, it's a great spot for him it's a great spot for I'll take Kim Dozier Grossman uh, make for a nice little stack and if you want to punt the catching position there's definitely worse guys you could do it with than Jimenez um, who has been you know solid against lefties and good, good when he's given the spot he just had that two home run game um, yeah it makes for a nice little four-man stack that I think will be a little off the board which it wouldn't normally be but on this slate it will get overlooked and I really like all those guys uh, especially and Grossman's a guy who just gets overlooked all the time and he's just excellent against lefties and he's 3400 so I love Grossman tomorrow. And you could play anybody else with him. I mean, every one of these guys who's going to be in the lineup for the Twins, I could make a good argument for tomorrow. All right, I want to. I kind of want to help your case here a little bit. Um, pulling up the batted ball profile for Derek Holland. He throws five pitches, uh, fastball, sinker, slider, change, knuckle, curve. 
and he mixes them up well. No pitch over like 27%. The problem is, um, you know, he's just not getting a lot of swinging strikes on anything against righties outside of his knuckle curve. We look at the fastball, he averages 91 miles an hour. Miguel Sano against fastballs 91 miles an hour this season has a 500 ISO with a 529 Woba. We look at sinkers, um, a lot of power driven off of Derek Holland's sinker this season. And we look at Sano, 488 Woba, 333 ISO against sinkers this season. The slider, 450 Woba against sliders this season against left-handed pitching for Sano. Curveballs is where he struggled. So if Derek Holland goes out and just absolutely commits to throwing Sano curveball after curveball off of curveball, that's where um, you know Sano could just have a bad game. But everything else this guy throws, so 74% of the pitches that Derek Holland is going to throw at Sano, Sano is well above average into the excellent range against. So he would have to commit to throwing a bunch of curveballs. He does throw his curveball 25% of the time against lefties so or against righties. So there is that slight possibility, but I do think Sano is um, a pretty excellent player. Yeah, I just – I love Sano, and I – He's one of my favorite players. I love Grossman. I like the pricing, too. And like I said, I really like this as a, as a stack. I could see them. Minnesota is one of those teams that can get you those 10 runs. The thing is, their lineup is just so – it's gotten more versatile. Um, so it used to be easy to pick the guys. And I still like the core that I just mentioned. But there's a lot of other ways you could go with it. They just have a lot of guys who I really like. I'm probably going to be multi-stacking this game different ways. I really like them a Oh, and don't ever forget our boy. Um, CJ would definitely be mad at you. Kenny's Vargas. Um, well, if, if he plays, yeah. They, they, just decide, they don't always decide to play him, even against lefties these days. We, we want him against lefties. Who cares if he plays against righties? But that bad boy in the lineup. I know, seriously. It drives me crazy. Oh, you. I hate seeing Joe Maurer in a lineup. You want to talk about a guy that ends innings. <laughs> That's true. My hate for Joe Maurer. Uh, it's just insane. Anyway, we move on. Boston at Kansas City. Chris Sale against Matthew Stray Stram. Uh, eight total here. Chris Sale, massive favorite. Chris Sale, by far the best pitcher on the slate. Don't care what anybody says. So if you tell me he's not, I'm not listening. Uh, no, I don't know how anybody can say anything different. I would hope not. <laughs> I did get people, though, who went crazy on me for saying that Kershaw was the best pitcher in baseball. And, like, even if you don't agree with me, that's nuts. Like, I don't understand how you can think that's ludicrous. And it happened today when I said that Buster Posey was the best catcher in baseball. Just the best hitting catcher in baseball. He's hitting yeah. 350. I don't care that he plays in San Francisco. That's why he's not, you know, he doesn't have all the power numbers. But anyway, people think it's ludicrous. And I don't mind if you disagree with me, but to think it's ludicrous, it would be, you know, if anybody thinks Chris Sale, but in this case, if anybody thinks Chris Sale is not the best pitcher, that is ludicrous. Like, there's nobody else on the slate. Do whatever you can to get him in your lineup tomorrow. It's just there's no real downside, in my opinion, in this matchup. What do you think? You know, we look at a Royals team. They don't strike out a bunch against lefties. Um, I, that would probably be the downside. But we look at it and just like Sale builds in strikeouts. You know, yep. this guy is just that good that, you know, he builds in strikeouts. Um You know, swing and strike percentage this season, you know, he's fifth in baseball as far as swinging percentage, my bad, not swinging strike, but swinging, swinging percentage, he's fifth in baseball. Um, strikeout rate, let's see. Um, swinging strike rate. I had the wrong tab pulled up. So Chris Sale leads baseball this season in swinging strike rate at 16.1%, which is higher than Max Scherzer. So that just tells you everything you need to know about 
the type of season that Chris Sale is having. You know, we saw him last year try to pitch more towards contact. The White Sox wanted him, the pitching coach wanted him to pitch more towards contact. He gets to Boston and it's just like, go strike out everybody. If you get through six or seven innings, we don't care as long as you're striking everybody out. Yeah. Hundred percent. He's uh, that. Well, they wanted him to do that in Boston. He clearly changed his style the same way that it took Granky a year to figure out in Arizona when he tried to pitch to contact like he did in LA, and it worked so well. Then when he adjusted this year, um, he's been much better. I know he's not, you know, been the same way I used to be, but it's a uh, it's another example of a guy learning how to pitch in this certain ballpark that he's in now. He knows he has to get that strikeout, those strikeouts up because those balls just leave the field so so much easier. And uh, Sales really figured it out, and so is Granky, but. Uh, yeah, I think Sale is – yeah, he's just in a great – I don't care who he's fa- facing. Um, he can strike anybody out. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in on Sale tomorrow. It's just, it's just a matter of trying to fit him in. Um, that's the only thing. Still a guy we're going to talk about. Don't worry. I got one guy, like, hidden in my back pocket here that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, You know, on the flip side of this game – you know, we have a prospect that actually has some promising stuff. His AAA number is really solid. His swinging strike rate in the AAA, really solid. I do, you know, you just look at the Red Sox and, you know, they're middle of the road team against uh, lefties this season, but they just don't strike out. Like 15.8% team strikeout rate against lefties this season. They lead baseball with the lowest strikeout rate against lefties. They just don't strike out. And you get a young guy that's just not going to strike guys out, that a few hits get him rattled a little bit, and you just can't play him in the spot. No way. I, I see think... no bats from this game. No. No, none. It's it's ridiculous. I can't – first of all, I'm done with Boston. Like, I don't, I, I don't care how they score runs. They're just not good for DFS <laughs> until they find some power. Like, I'm just not using them. They, they're just – I don't have any reason to play anybody. You cannot, there's never a reason not to – you can say, hey, look, if you happen to – have the exact right amount of money and you want to play Mookie bets, fine. Go ahead, play Mookie bets. But like, I don't have any interest in any bats in this game. Yeah, it's just like you're not paying for Mookie bets. You're not paying 5K for Mookie bets on the road in a ballpark that yeah. you know, you know, he doesn't get that added bump to be that right-handed power bat. Xander, you're not paying 46 for this guy. Benettini, you're not paying 42. You're not paying 39 for Jackie Bradley Jr. Like the one argument you could make is Hanley Ramirez at 3,500. And we've talked about 10 first basemen that are better than him today. 100%. Yeah. It's just why. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's just you can't. You just can't. Like you're playing Chris Sale from this game and you're moving on to Arizona at Colorado with us. Uh, Zach Granke against German Marquez. 11 total here. A pick em game. Um, I, I really want to fade this game. I really want to fade this game, and one thing's going to tell me if I can fade this game really quick. If I can find it. There it is. Oh, so we don't want stuff that breaks down, and Granky, I think, throws curveballs, doesn't he? Yeah, but he throws – I mean, he's he's pretty good. He's, he's pretty good with all of his pitches. Like, he's a he's a guy who's good at adjusting too on the fly. Like, I, I – you can go ahead and say what you want, but I just have I, – I have what – one thing written about this game and that's just a full fade. Um, I honestly would rather almost play Granky than try and stack Colorado against him. Yeah. Um, he's really not throwing his curveball that much this year against, you know, just in general. So, you know, only 5% against righties and against lefties, he's only throwing at 13%. He's thrown his changeup and slider uh, with his fastball a ton this season. And against righties, he's just throwing his slider. So we really don't have to worry about that downward movement type pitch in Coors Field. So I'm not going to play Granky here. 
but I don't think it's the craziest idea either. Um, you know, it is probably crazy because it's course Field, but, you uh, know. Yeah. What did he have last time? He pitched against them, I think, three times this year. And I don't think he's been below 20. Um, he, had, he had 26 against them last time. I don't know where that was. That yeah, was at 26 Cor at Coors. Um, yeah. And it, it just, just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's, if you want to go wild card play, it's not the worst idea. I don't even think it's like I'm not going to play him in cash, the cash that I play, but – I don't think that he's going to get blown up in this spot. I actually think that he's really likely to be around 20 fantasy points, and that's fine probably for tomorrow for his price, for safety. I remember me and CJ talking about that start in course. It was like 7700 and we were like, you just got to price enforce at some point, and 7700 is too cheap for Granky. Yep. We talked about his pitch profile and said that it was fine. So, yeah, 86 might be a little too much. Um mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think he's the craziest player. I don't think I'm going to play any Rockies. Um, you look at the other side of this game, though. You know, we get a pitcher that – hold on. Against lefties, I think he has a – yeah, solid ground ball rate at 44%. Um, more of a fly ball pitcher to righties. So I kind of worry about this spot for, like, uh, Goldschmidt, Jake Lamb type guys. Um, I think those are the guys that could really burn me if I end up fading. Um like, if you're playing on play draft, you're putting Goldschmidt and Lamb towards the top of your player pool. Mm -hmm. like, in salary cap format, man, I just – I don't know. It's tough. I think it's crazy. I, I really do. I, I mean, one thing is, look at Marquez. He's had one – his first start, his was had a bad start against Washington at home. That should be forgivable. Then he had a rough start against Arizona, but it was more he got hit later in the game. He actually was pitching well for a while. At home, he's been really good. He had a good game against us. Uh, he had a nice one against St. Louis at home. He pitched a gem against the Cubs at home. Um, it's not like this is a giant upgrade anyway for the Diamondbacks, which people will per always perceive Coors to be. Um, they play in a, they play in Coors too anyway, so they're really close. I mean, uh, anyway, I don't I just don't see it. I don't think Marquez is all that bad, and the Rockies have a solid bullpen. These are good baseball teams that I don't see this game getting crazy out of hand. But like having said that, it is Coors, and anything could happen. I just on a night like this, I don't think you need to go there, and I'm I'm gonna fade it. I know it's gonna be the chalk. It's the Arizona stack's gonna be chalky, and chalky is gonna be fifteen percent. But I still just don't want any part of it. Like I, there's other stacks I like better. All right, I will say I'm probably gonna load up on Paul Goldschmidt. Um, just batted ball profile wise. I'm gonna pull up BVP in a second because I know these guys have faced each other already. But Marquez throws 54% fastballs against righties this season at an average of 94 miles an hour. Goldschmidt has a 407 ISO with a 443 Woba against fastballs that fast. Um, we know the curveball doesn't break very well in cores, and he throws his curveball 28% of the time against righties. So he's going to have to rely on fastballs and non-breaking curveballs against righties. Um, Paul Goldschmidt probably – Probably a top three play on this slate. Yeah, but like, okay, so he's fifty eight hundred, and like you just said a second ago, we named ten other first basemen, and you want to try and get Chris Sale in your lineups. Like, yeah, that's all, that's all I gotta say. Like, it's it's not like obviously he's not just if you eliminated salary cap. Of course, he's one of the top plays on the board, like if not the top play. But we have a salary cap. It's fifty oh, yeah. is a lot. Like, I would rather. I don't know. I would I would take Bryce Harper rather than him at fifty eight hundred, just because the first base position is so strong, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, it, just, it just always makes me laugh when you look at 
Uh, and God, the price is there. I agree with you on what you're saying. Just the price is just so there. Four for yeah. five off of Marquez with two home runs. <laughs> <laughs> it's making it worse for me now. Yeah, it's just, it's making it worse for me as well. Like he's probably the top play on the slate, and but like fifty eight hundred is just oh. massive. Like that's two mediocre players. <laughs> <laughs> one player like that's two of these cheaper guys that we have talked about in one player um yeah. Yeah, he's 53 on Fandle. like you're not getting a discount on paul goldschmidt like i'm gonna get my paul goldschmidt exposure on play draft today yeah yeah i think i'm with you on that <laughs> yeah it's man Whew. all right um we move out of course we head to the west coast for the final three games of the night we have houston at oakland Francis Martiz against Sonny Gray, uh, nine total here, and I'm all about me some Francis here. This is the guy that I've been saying that I've been holding in my back pocket. Um, we get a guy that throws the ball really hard that, you know, really struggled in that first start. We look at it, it was just – it was really bad, um, you know, against the Angels. But we think about it, and the Angels are just not a team that strike out a bunch, and they're going to be hard for any guy making his major league debut – that Texas yeah. game, though, seven strikeouts, five innings, one earned, like 88 pitches. So I know his pitch count's going to go up a little bit here. We could see 90, 95 pitches against an Oakland team that strikes out a ton against righties. Like, tell me why this guy's not in play at 5,800. Uh, I don't – these are, these are good points, um, especially, like, when you factor in what what's a – yeah, um, huh, I don't know, man. It's uh, I hadn't really thought about it so much, but – I do think it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I really – I was sort of surprised you said that. I actually thought you could have almost made an argument the other way um, on Sonny Gray. I know uh, you hate never. You, come on, man. You know that. I don't play Sonny Gray. I don't I just pointing out that these prices are funny. And that I, I wouldn't – I'm also – as much as I might not – I'm not going to suggest playing Sonny Gray, but I also wouldn't play Houston. Um, I, I think that – I, I kind of – like – I see where you're coming from. I just there's another guy who's a tiny bit more expensive who we haven't got to yet who I just like way more. Oh God! All right. Well, I think I know who you're talking about, and I probably uh, I'm not going to hate it. So we'll talk about him. You know, you look at this guy's double A and triple A numbers. Uh, he he rose fast through the the Astros ranks, by the way. Like, you know, he was in single A and went straight to double A after pitching like 35 innings in single A. Then he pitched. You know, 125 innings in double A, 13% swinging strike rate. His numbers have always been double-digit strikeout rates in the minors. So, you know, he's 21 years old. That's his downfall. He's young. But like I said, man, we get a guy that he throws smoke. Like, he averages 95 miles an hour on his fastball. He's got a curveball that he's getting a ton of swinging strikes on, which is probably created or generated from, you know, throwing 95 miles an hour. So, like, at 5,800, I'm definitely going to take some shots here against Oakland. And we get a massive ballpark. So, you know, getting blown up here is probably only three or four runs before he gets pulled. So we're not going to see that negative 15 day. Yeah, that's actually kind of an interesting point. I just I just don't know if there's enough upside on this giant slate for me to go there. Even the guy I like better, I don't know how much entire upside there is, but I just feel like he's safer and more of a sure thing for his 20 and I just don't know how much this guy pitch. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're making good points. I really didn't know that much about him, to be honest with you. Um, and obviously, targeting Oakland makes sense. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I gotta take. I gotta look into that one a little further. 
Yeah, I'm going to definitely do a lot more digging. You know, I spent 15, 20 minutes looking at it, you know, earlier. So there's there's a lot more digging coming there. And we, like, you know, we just saw Brad Peacock go out and have a really strong start against Oakland. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, there's always downside to paying, playing a 21-year-old rookie. You know, always. Yeah. Um, all right, so Sonny Gray here. If you want to talk about him, go for it. You know, the listeners already know that I feel like this guy sucks. No, I don't think he sucks. I think he's actually figured out how to pitch again. And as a real-life pitcher, he's a solid pitcher to have. Like, he's a solid, you know, 3-4 on a mediocre team, maybe a 4 on a good team. But he's not a guy you want in DFS unless the matchup is, like, really pure. Like, if he was facing San Diego and he's, there's a chance for that strikeout upside. Other than that, he's not a guy I'll target. But he has had some big strikeout games. And Houston's sort of a sporadic. They did get kind of dominated tonight by that other guy, um, the kid Dillinson or whatever. Um, Granted, no, it, it was Mossett. Oh, Mossett, whatever. I can't remember these names. Yeah, it just made me want to smash my head up against the table. Yeah, and and I, I don't know. It's just they're, they're they they can be a little boom bust, but I, in general, they're one of the better offenses. So I don't really think you should start take him. I just don't think there's any reason to play Houston either because he's just, you know, honestly, frankly, look at his game log to tell you that he's had one real bad outing at Cleveland against forgivable, where it would have been good to stack against him in DFS, and it's just no reason to do it on this slate. Hi, yai. Um, <laughs> you, want, you want to stack against him? No, I don't ever. I don't ever stack against him. Like I talked about him in the Yankees start. Like, so I watched some of that Yankees game. It was a late game. I don't know how many other games were going, but when I'm doing articles and stuff, I'm always you know watching baseball. And like I said, if he mixed up his pitches in that game, like he had potential to pitch well, and he mixed up his pitches well, and you know he still didn't pitch well. He's just. He gives up these hits that are just so frustrating, and I just can't play a guy like that. Like, I'm not going to stack against him. I agree. There's no reason to stack against him, especially on this slate, but I just I don't think I can use him either. He is cheap. He's 6,900. He can get you 30. You know, we saw it earlier this season. He put up 37. So, like, the ceiling is 37. It's just not 37 in this start. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, again, I'm not going to be using much of him at all, so if, if any and if it would be a very very like a three dollar tournament that was with a million people um <laughs> i don't know um but I, I i don't think that it's uh i think it might be worth looking a little bit further into maybe than that and i definitely think that houston is not playable i don't like any bats in this game um feel free if you do nope 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 we move on mets at dodgers robert gaselman against brandon mccarthy i'm guessing mccarthy is that guy you were talking about mccarthy is the guy i was talking about and yeah. I'm a Dodger fan. I know the real the reality is like he's not going to pitch. It's not a pitch count thing. It's really like an inning. I mean, it, it looks like a pitch count thing on the, the record, but it's really sort of the innings and the way the game goes. And it's a strange thing with the Dodgers, what they're doing, but it's obviously working out well. They're the best team in baseball at the moment. Um, they, uh, I just think that it's a he's too good for this price. He's a guy who can get 20 in his sleep and uh, against pretty much anyone. He's got good stuff. And, yeah, look, he had a bad start again at Cleveland again. This is forgivable. Um, if you look at it, he's been pretty pretty good for the most part, and he's going to pitch his 90 pitches. He's 6,400. He can easily go six innings and have seven Ks tomorrow and give up nothing, or seven innings even and have seven Ks, eight Ks. Um, I don't, I'm not afraid of this Mets offense in L.A. I don't, I don't think that it's anything to run away from. I think you've got to take some chances, and McCarthy is just too cheap for what he is as a pitcher, and I think he's a guy definitely at 6,400 you can play tomorrow. No, and today. you know he he was definitely um, one of the guys that I was looking at today as well. You know, just 
you know, you're going to have to take shots, right? Like, we don't have a really strong, like, you know, mid-range price guys in the 8K that you can, like, just feel really safe with pairing those guys with Chris Sale and, like, you know, calling it a day. You just don't have those type of guys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we always talk about guys like Dallas Keuchel who just have amazing, like, amazing soft-to-hard contact ratios. And, you know, McCarthy's never a guy that's really brought up in that conversation, and he kind of should be. I know he hasn't thrown as many pitches as these other guys this season, but we look at it and, you know, let's see. We'll set the minimum to – he's thrown at least 35. So we'll set the minimum innings pitch to 40 this season to get all these bullpen guys out of here. We'll look at soft contact leaders, and he's second. Like, you know, he's just never a guy that's brought up as a guy that just induces a ton of soft contact, and he does. Like, second in baseball as far as any pitcher over 40 innings behind Dallas Keuchel – like, he doesn't have the ratio that Keuchel has, but 26% soft contact, 23% hard contact. Like, why am I afraid of playing this guy against a Mets team that's left-handed heavy where the ratio is even better against lefties? It's just, you know, he, he makes a ton of sense on this slate. He has weird strikeout upside, too. I mean, forget that one game. He has He's, he's streaky with it, but he has, like, he can do it against teams that guys that have big swingers in the Mets, you know, they have a few of them. It's just it's it's not like this is not like a dream spot. It's not like you have, but it's a guy who I think is going to get you twenty fantasy points tomorrow. And I just really think he's in a pretty decent spot. And there's again not a lot of pitching love in this low price range, like you mentioned. Listen, spoiler alert: if you're reading uh, the fantasy draft premium article today, like I'm gonna probably have McCarthy and Marty's in there, just so you know ahead of time. Like, <laughs> just you're gonna take shots on these guys, and like these guys make the most sense. If you're playing cash games, I don't hate the idea of going uh, McCarthy and Sale here. I think that's probably the safe approach to go, and I think you see a lot of people do it. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Gaselman. You know, you look at it, and he's been a lot worse against righties this season. You know, you look at his numbers against lefties. They've been, you know, pretty solid. Nothing amazing, but he does get a lot of ground balls against lefties. I'm not giving up on Grendel. I'm just going to play him every day until he gets me a home run. Yeah, the Dodgers are the other team that I'm married to tomorrow. Um, Their offense is just clicking right now. It's like you could stack them every night and feel, like, good about it. They – Bellinger is – the like it's absurd what he's doing and they're still pitching to him uh right now at this moment like why are we treating him like he's the best player and should be played every night when he's four and a half percent owned i'm not just saying that because he just hit two home runs he just does it pretty much every day um every other day anyway like i mean look at his his just forget his his game log his whole career log um he's been he's had the greatest start to his career of anybody ever him and the team have just gone crazy offensively since he's been there especially with Agon gone uh, i really like the dodgers stack tomorrow I play Seager, play Taylor, play Peters, play anybody actually you want to. I really like the Dodgers one through eight. Um, and Grandal is obviously, you know, what is his price tomorrow? It's, uh, he's twenty nine hundred. Just a, he should be. A, like, honestly, he should be like just lock him in and, every day. You know, <laughs> every day. Have to man. I know he's struggling, but like you got to play him against the righty at twenty nine hundred. I still kind of worry about Corey Seager. I, I really do. I know you're a Dodgers fan, like. We're just not seeing that pop, and I, I kind of worry about it. I, I still think there's something wrong with him. I don't think we'll ever find out, but I still think there's something wrong with him. Like, even the exit velocities are down. It's just 
I'm with you on Bellinger. I hope everybody listened to me yesterday when I talked about Bellinger because um, you might not want to say you called two home runs. <laughs> I obviously didn't, but yeah, I love Bellinger, man. You know, you look at it, nine home runs over the last 10 games. You know, he has 21 home runs on the season now. I, I Every day, like you play Bellinger every day and, you know, you get exposure to this guy every day because you're getting him at low ownership. You can play him in the outfield on DraftKings as well as first base. Like it's just you play this guy. Absolutely, especially and by the way, hot streaks are a real thing. So like you play, oh, yeah. like, this is not going to you know be this hitter forever. He's not going to hit eighty home runs next year, but right now he is that guy. So just play him until he's not. <laughs> like you, give him a few games before you decide he's not. I know. Um, I know you're a Dodgers fan. Did you hear my rant about Adrian Gonzalez? No, I just thought that it was so sad to me that it was the greatest thing that he got hurt. Like, it was so good for them. They're, they're now the best team in baseball. But anyway, what was your rant about? Oh, that was my rant. I was like, this team is so much better without Gonzalez that, you know, right. when he was dealing with that little injury, I was like, please go on the DL so we can stack the Dodgers again. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's, they are definitely – they are I mean, they have the best record in baseball since he's been there. I think they're in the top three in run score. Like, it's it's really nuts how much better they are with Bellinger. Yeah, and I like Gonzalez. Man, he's awesome. It's just not this season. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah, we move on. Last game of the night, Detroit at Seattle. Jordan Zimmerman against Ariel Miranda. This is a sneaky game. You know, we get 15 games, and we get to the last game of the night. Nobody plays these late games because we don't have lineups two hours before lock when everybody's making lineups. And this is a sneaky, great spot. You know, we get a – Pitcher and Zimmerman who can't throw it by me if I was hitting. And we get a guy like Miranda who gives up a ton of home runs to righties against a right-handed heavy Detroit Tigers team. Mm-hmm. I love this game. Uh, I think it's a great full like, game stack. Like, I mean, I've been proven wrong. With so the, sneaky good. Tonight and, it's a, and, like, no one's going to play it. Like, literally no one will play it tomorrow just because of how many games there are and um, all the other spots in this. It's the late game. Everything plays into it perfectly. And like, would either of us be surprised if it was twelve to ten? Like, when this this could that, easily be the highest scoring game on the slate. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, it's just a. I feel like this is a great spot. I'm all over it. I, I'm with you, and I, I like everybody in it. Like, there's not a whole lot of guys that would leave off. Even the Seattle lefties, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. The uh, sorry, there's no Detroit lefties. Um, oh yeah, there's not going to be any. They're like, James McCann, baby, we get to play <laughs> the McCann in here. Yes, I mean, especially what is he? He's going to be like. Uh, I mean. Oh, extremely cheap yeah it's incredible yeah oh man you could stack the trade so cheaply too like and play them with anybody um wow it's really a good stuff with 4k still jesus christ um, Kinsler's cheap miguel cabrera's cheap castellanos is cheap um jd martinez is the only guy that's priced up on detroit yeah and then even cruz is 43 like this is a great just full game stack in my opinion i really really like it yeah i'm gonna make that really quick so i don't forget um yeah, it's just – it's such a sneaky good spot. Like, you know, you, you sit there and you're you're losing money all night and it's just like, all right, Detroit, Seattle, do what you need to do. You know, we talked about, you know, five, six really strong spots on the slate. And obviously I don't think this is the best spot on the slate. But like you said, it wouldn't shock me at the end of the night if this game ends as the highest scoring game. I don't know that it's not. Like – these teams that like are better offensively, it could actually be the best spot. Like Detroit has a lineup that should be able to crush Miranda, even though they have a lot of righties who have struggled at times with lefties lately. And I don't get it because historically they've been very good, but 
Um, and then you have Zimmerman in that Detroit bullpen. It just against what I think is one of the, like a really, really one of the, probably the best heart of the order, one of the best hearts of the order in baseball. Um, especially when you factor in pricing and the fact that the Seager is still basically free. Um, like he's 3,600. I mean, it's just, I, I just really like this. And then you got Cano too cheap on FanDuel. Like it's just the whole game stack works out well. You could take the pitching you want other elsewhere. It's cheap and it's a great spot. It could actually be the best spot of the night. I have it like, I would think it's like definitely going to be a top four or five scoring game. I don't care what the over under is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I'm right there with you. I just, God, if this was in any other ballpark, like mm-hmm. it move this game to the Philly ballpark and yeah. we get like a 12th total. Like yeah. it, it's just, you know, the ballpark, you're never going to see a massive total in Safeco. I think this line moves tomorrow. I, I really do see this line moving um, throughout the day here. But one good thing to look at about it like that, and I don't, I don't want to keep selling this game like too hard, but like the Seattle, okay. So you have a guy like Seeker who hits better at home, oddly enough, like even though it's in Seattle, um, Cano is a guy who hits the ball anywhere. Cruz obviously leads the league in RBIs and can hit the ball anywhere. Um, and then you have a Detroit team that's used to playing in a bad hitters park that, that, that everybody basically has just massive power through the heart of their lineup. It's just a really, and they actually blend well together if you do it right. Like, I don't know, other than the catcher position, oh no, you have McCann. It's like, it works out actually really perfectly as a full game stack. I just, I think it works out. I think this is like, don't look too far. I'm usually a stadium guy, but this is one spot where I think you could just go for it. Yeah, I uh, wish shortstop was better the whole game stack, but yeah. that's where that's where you you know you play those one offs that we were kind of talking about earlier, like the nerd or um, Swanson or Crawford. These guys that potentially could be shortstop one offs, or Jose Reyes who um, is using the steroids again with two home runs tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who had Jose Reyes tonight against? Kershaw? Nobody. Yeah. So whatever, hit hit another one. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> All right, we're going to play some home run derby, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, we do have Coors Field on the slate, so no Coors Field as always. Um, your guest, it's your first time on the podcast. I'm going to let you bat lead off here. All right, so you get, you get to each veto once. Is that how it works? Yep, each veto once, um, no Coors, and um, there's no price tags. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, like, okay. I'll, I'll take Bellinger. Oh, shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Um, I'm going to let you have it, just kind of playing the odds that he's not going to hit another home run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm going to go off the board because that's what I like to do. I'm going to take my right-handed power and go James McCann. Love it. And then I'm going to go with – and there was some spots that I really love today too. I'm going to ride the hot bat. I'm going to say Travis Shaw. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say, who did I have a matter? Oh, I like to be contrarian in this. Yeah, Miguel Sano. And is that it? Do I pick another one? Yep. I'm not gonna veto Sano. You're not. Oh, you are gonna? No, no, no. He's not chalky enough to veto. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna. Do, um, Sano, and then I'm going to say I want to find a cheap guy that I like, but uh, I guess I'm just gonna have to go with. The other guy who I really think is going to hit one out tomorrow, even though I don't like anyone else in the game, I think I talked myself into Bryce Harper. You can veto him if you want to. Nope, I'll let you have Harper too. Uh-huh. Not going to pop your veto, Cherry. That means you're just going to have to come back on another time. So right. we'll, we'll have to work that out. My <laughs> last pick is going to be just because he's facing a lefty and it's every time he faces a lefty is Hunter Renfro. 
Love it. Oh, he's one of my favorite plays too. So, yeah, it's just, you know, God, that guy's numbers against lefties. They're going to regress, and yeah. I'm going to be sad when they start to regress, but he's made me so much money already that I'm just going to ride it. <laughs> I'm with you, man. All right, Bobby. Well, appreciate you coming on. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, man. Really enjoyed being on with you. Appreciate you having me on, and hopefully, uh, can do it some other time. Um, tomorrow, just don't worry about ownership. I guess that would be the, or today. Don't worry about ownership uh, when you're making your lineups. It's not going to play uh, nearly as big a factor as it usually does. Yeah, you, ownership on a 15 game slate is useless. Um, I agree with you there. It's going to do it here for the Tuesday edition of the Morning Grind podcast. If you haven't checked out our sponsor, make sure you head on over there, check them out, playdraft.com. If you use the promo code GRINDERS when signing up, you get a 100% deposit bonus up to 600 bucks. So you deposit 600 bucks, they're going to match it. So make sure you guys are taking advantage of that. Um, you take advantage of deposit bonuses while you can. There's just not many redeposit bonuses anymore. So take advantage of that. We'll be back tomorrow with the Wednesday edition of the Morning Grind. We will be back with Notorious as always. Good luck in your contest tonight, and we'll see you then. Hey, what's up, Roto Grinders? Chris Cimino here, and it's time for you to get an edge on your DFS competition with our daily ownership projections for DraftKings and FanDuel, available now to our premium subscribers. We're constantly evaluating our projections and updating all the way up through lineup lock to ensure you have the best possible information in crunch time. Our team covers NFL, NBA, MLB, and PGA for all main slate action. If you don't have this, you are missing out. Subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium today to get access to our premium ownership projections and to our award-winning premium content. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only.